Our guest today once said that when you tell people what they want to hear, you become popular. When you tell people what they need to hear, you become relevant. Today, we are with Ty Bennett to discuss how storytelling will impact your leadership influence. This is the Champion Forum podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. At 21, Ty and his brother built a direct sales business to over 20 million in annual revenues. He developed a system and organization that would help over 500 sales managers fine tune their sales and leadership skills in over 37 countries. He was featured as one of the top 40 under 40. He was dubbed one of the 10 coolest entrepreneurs in Utah. He has traversed the world, speaking to tens of thousands of audience members, transforming the lives, careers, and business practices of leaders from some of the most recognizable brands in the world, such as Delta Airlines, Subway, Home Depot, Coca-Cola, and Remax. Ty's best-selling books, Partnership is the New Leadership, The Power of Influence, and the power of storytelling are used in graduate courses at multiple universities, including MIT, as today's version of How to Win Friends and Influence People. He's a husband and a father, and he's passionate about helping leaders cultivate the relevance and influence they need to challenge old ways and open new doors. Ty, welcome to the Champion Forum podcast. Thank you so much. This is fun to be on. So we were introduced uh, by a mutual friend who uh, spoke very, very highly of you. And I started listening to your content. And I got to tell you, after watching several YouTube videos of yours, it really made me rethink how to deliver my own message. And as I started to learn not only about the teaching that you did, I come to find out very quickly that you you walk the talk. Uh, you, you've had this journey uh, of challenges and also found a lot of success and, and pivoted along the way. And I remember one of the stories, you had that moment with your wife, Sarah, that changed everything in this journey, uh, which really lends itself to storytelling and what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but th- listen, this show, it primarily speaks to leadership, Ty, but we've never really uh, dove into storytelling how you teach it. But before we dive in, I'd love to hear more about your background. I mean, you started this business at 21 years old with your brother. You overcame some challenges. You found uh, some amazing success. Tell us a little more about that. Well, Jeff, I love that, uh, one, you know, you jump in and, and do your research. And, uh, and two, I, for me, I love the fact that I can come and share what's worked in the trenches and that I'm currently, you know, building businesses and helping like testing some of these theories out. And I have people who work for me. And so when I talk about leadership, I'm not just talking about what I think would happen would work. I am talking about what's working for our team. And, and I think that that's been a, a huge benefit, right. To be able to share some of those lessons learned along the way. And for me to be able to analyze my approach and say, okay, let's, try this out. Let's test it. There's a laboratory here. And so, um, you know, going back, I've always been very entrepreneurial. I, as a kid, I just, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. In fact, I went to school to study entrepreneurship and, and it was while in school that my brother and I decided to start a business together. 
Uh, he was wired the same way, if you will. He's a little bit older than me. He was 22 at the time. And I'd love to tell you that that business took off like a rocket, but it didn't. We had ups and downs of building that business just like everyone else. And what you referenced for me was a, a real turning point. And, you know, wives are good that way sometimes to, uh, yeah. to help us see things differently. But the gist of it was when we got married, my wife and I, we moved back. In, we were both going to school. We moved into this little one bedroom apartment. Our rent was $600 in that apartment. And the day we moved into that apartment, my brother, who was my business partner, called me and said, we only made $800 this month. So I transferred 400 into your account. Now, this was a part-time business 10 months into it. It for sure was not the best month we had ever had. I'm not sure if it was the worst, maybe. Uh, but this was the first time I was going to have to be accountable to someone outside of my business partner, right? I was now married. I had to tell my brand new bride, I only made $400 this month, right? And, and uh, I was embarrassed, you know? I mean, that's a hard conversation to have. And mm-hmm. especially, you know, you're newly married and you have talked this big game, I guess. And, <laughs> and, uh, and my wife, I finally just told her and she had a pretty normal response, right? That doesn't even cover our rent. What are we going to do? And, and we were okay. We were going to get by. We had some savings and things. And luckily some people gave us some money for our wedding. But uh, the turning point was when she asked me, okay, do you believe that you can make this business work? And I said, I do. And then she said, okay, then what needs to change? And I hate that question because I yeah. know the answer, right? I mean, but sometimes that's the tough question of looking in the mirror and going, okay, I need to change. And specifically for me, what I identified was my ability to influence, right? It's the conversations you have every day on this podcast because sure. I was talking to people. I was trying. I, I just wasn't moving them. They weren't buying from me. They weren't doing business with me. And, and so I made a resolve that day to master everything I could around communication Mm-hmm. And the key thing, the thing that probably helped me the very most is I started to record every presentation I gave. Yeah. You know, this was back in the day I had to go to, I went to Radio Shack, if you remember that. And yeah, yeah. bought this little recorder. I mean, now on your iPhone, it's so easy. But I remember listening to the first recording and it was like a 15 minute sales presentation. And I mean, there were multiple takeaways, but one, I said, um, 144 times. Right counted. I tallied it. And I was like, what in the world, right? There's no confidence. There's no clarity. I, I looked at it and said, I would never buy from me. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I started to get better and listen to those and practice. And the, the turning point around storytelling was when I started to ask the question, what caused people to engage, right? When, when you and I were talking and you laughed or you engaged or responded, what was I doing? And inevitably I was telling stories, Hmm. And so I, I focused in on that. And um, as simple as this may sound, as I got better at telling stories, as I got better at communicating, our business got better. Now, yeah. There's obviously a lot more to that, right? A lot of work, a lot of hustle, sure. uh, a lot of growth and training, eventually building that to about 25 million a year in revenue. I started doing more speaking and training for our team internally and just loved it. And so uh, I went out on my own, started a speaking and training business and uh, wrote my first book, The Power of Influence. And my natural way of communicating was storytelling. And so people started to ask me about it. They would say, hey, would you coach me on storytelling? And, right. and that led me to eventually writing the book, The Power of Storytelling. And 
now I've spent, you know, years traveling around the world and teaching leaders and salespeople and entrepreneurs how to tell better stories. And I think it's a skill that you can learn because I learned it. I mean, yep. I might've had some natural ability, but I've gotten mm -hmm. better over the years. And, and, uh, and part of it's understanding the, the formulas and, and how to put that all together. Yeah. There's a lot into what you're saying, Ty, no question about it. I've been in sales from carrying the bag to leadership uh, over the span of 23 years. And I remember back, we, we would always record ourselves. I would record the, the salespeople. I did it whenever I was a salesperson myself. But when I was a leader, this is something that we did consistently. And uh, we would do phone prospecting and I would record what they were saying on the phone. And of course, inevitably, someone would always get on the phone and say, hey, Ty, how are you doing? And I'd be like, nobody cares how you're doing. And I, that was a way to play it back to them and realize that we don't ask people, how are you doing? We go right into what we need to say. But what I found was hearing it for yourself is powerful and it's a great way to learn. I do that even now after giving a keynote. We have this uh, luxury of Zoom where we can go back and listen to the ums, the uhs, I didn't pause right, whatever it might be. But you, you've had, you had this dining room moment with Sarah that brought about the tough questions. And uh, all of us most likely often find, like you did, that effort alone, it's not enough. And here you are at that place where you're giving it all you have, but the results aren't there. I've been there. Most people that are listening, they've probably been there as well. Your, your effort will only get you so far. And we need to build these types of soft skills to get from effort to results. And I see storytelling as one of these great soft skills that absolutely can be learned. And first off, I would tell the listener, go get Ty's book. Uh, this is a great way to start consuming the content, but go check out his videos as well on YouTube. I've watched, I would say, almost all of them, if not all of them already, and just hearing how he does it really, really helps me reproduce it. So I want to challenge you to do that. And storytelling uh, for you, Ty, it changed the course of your business. So what were some of the changes that, that you began to make and see some success from, and how can others do the same? Yeah, luckily I didn't stay at $400 because I'm married and have five kids now and that would not work. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I truly believe that storytelling is one of the most underrated skills in business. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, it sets people apart and we use stories in so many different facets. And so um, along the way, there were lots of aha moments or learning experiences and understanding how to craft and, and the formula behind stories and, and understanding how to use stories to engage people to start, mm -hmm. you know, that process. And then in introducing and, and sharing about specific products or using stories that are metaphor based that would connect to an individual in their background and their situation so that I could start to customize it and literally creating, you know, back then notebooks and now folders of stories that uh, over the course of time I use in different keynotes or I've thrown in different books or sitting down with somebody one-on-one -on -one in a mentoring situation, I might go, okay, I have this at my disposal and, and developing that repertoire of stories that you can use because nothing connects or engages better. I mean, we could go into all the science behind it and all those things, but people retain information in, in stories 500% better it literally, when you hear a story, it creates 
cortisol and oxytocin in your brain, which causes you to focus and to connect and trust what's being shared with you. It emotionally moves you, which causes you to take action. There's so much that stories do. And so, yeah, we can dissect some of the formula pieces and, and some of those things and give some real takeaways to it. But uh, that's what I started to see is better connection, better response, people actually buying, responding, moving forward. And then, you know, not only that, but then on the leadership side, as we started to grow our team, the ability that I could inspire my team and move them and teach them a skill that they could then translate and use in that process. And, uh, and now with audiences, the same kind of thing. That's, that's the cool part. I spoke last week at a real estate conference and uh, had a bunch of people this week reach out on LinkedIn and say, you know, I just have started sharing my story this week and this is what's happening. Like there is an impact for yeah. when we know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no doubt, especially when you can tie personal stories into your message. And this is where I've seen the biggest impact. And we all have some level of a story, whether you're a leader, a salesperson or an entrepreneur, this applies Ty, maybe you can tell us about a time uh, possibly early into your business when you kept running into a challenge or multiple challenge, whether it was with uh, a customers or prospects or employees or whatever it might be in storytelling changed the outcome of the adversity. Yeah, there's, there's lots that come to mind. But uh, for me, the story that cemented in my mind that stories have power um, so I was talking to a lot of people, still young, still 21. I felt like I was doing my part and it was not working and I couldn't figure it out. I was like, what more can I do? Right. And so I went to lunch with a mentor, a friend, a family friend of ours. He was a successful entrepreneur. He was in his early fifties and I explained the situation. I just said, what should I do? Like, tell me what to do. Give me some advice. I will do it. And he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the last five people who told you no, and I want you to ask them why. And I was like, I'll do anything but that. <laughs> like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but this was scary to me, right? I didn't sure. have this conversation. And so he kind of coached me through it. And so I did. I went back to those five people and I just said, look, I, I'm not trying to change your mind. I honestly would like your help. Um, what am I doing wrong? Or why did you say no? And there were several things that were shared, but all five of them said, Ty, it's your age. Wow. At the time I was 21, I probably looked like I was 12. And sometimes I still get that from people. Uh, but as dumb as this sounds, I had never thought about that before. I had no idea that was an objection in somebody's mind. I was just young and cocky and thought I was great. Right. And so now I understood that. I went back to this mentor and I said, it's my age. And he goes, I know. And I was like, what? We had to go do that? And he was <laughs> like, well, you needed to hear it. And I said, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, what kind of mentor are you? Like, help me out. And he goes, okay, what did other young entrepreneurs do? What did Bill Gates do? What did Steve Jobs do? And as soon as he said, Bill Gates, I had this idea. And it's an idea that I turned into a story. And so when I would sit down with people, Jeff, like you and I are sitting down, um, I now understood for the first time that you were probably looking at me going, why would I listen to this kid? Mm -hmm. And before I would just talk and talk and talk, and you probably didn't pay attention the entire time. And so I'd sit down and the first thing out of my mouth, I'd say, I kind of feel like a young Bill Gates. And typically they would laugh or go, what? Or, you know, but I grabbed their attention and I'd say, here's what I mean. If you remember, Bill Gates was 19 when he dropped out of school. And at the time, computers were huge. They were the size of refrigerators. They were super expensive. And Bill Gates went around and told everybody he was going to put a personal computer in every home in the world. People probably thought he was nuts, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
Who's this young, naive entrepreneur? No idea what he's talking about. Well, here's the thing. I'm not saying I'm going to be as rich as Bill Gates is. And I'm not saying I'm going to change the world the way Bill Gates has. But I do know that I have something here. And I'm just asking you to take a serious look. Is that fair? And you see that story told thousands and thousands of times. I don't know how yeah. many times. That story quite literally built a multi-million dollar business because wow. it, it then allowed me to have the real conversations with people where they saw me for what I wanted and I, it lended me some credibility. And so we would not be having this conversation. I wouldn't have written books, gone on to build other businesses, speak to companies if I hadn't learned how to tell that story. Wow. And so sometimes people will go, like tell us the Bill Gates story. And like, I can tell it like it's, I, like I remember it from yesterday. Cause I, so I told it so many times, like that story is part of me. Yeah. Right. And, um, and yeah. so there's plenty of other examples for sure, but that story helped me to overcome an objection that was so hindering to what I wanted to accomplish. And it changed things big time. You know, what's amazing about that Bill Gates story ties that everybody can identify with it. You know, it's that adage that the best way to handle an objection is with a great presentation. Get ahead of it once you know what it is. And not only is this good in sales, but it's great for leaders. You know, as leaders, we're, we're in charge of motivating teams, uh, being visionary leaders, knowing our people, communication, and down the list. However, I don't think leaders are doing much about this soft skill. Uh, we really need to put effort into this. So, Ty, why do you feel storytelling is so critical for leaders? And what can we be doing to increase this skill set? So uh, I think there's multiple facets to the question you just asked, but I, I love it. Um, one, I don't know why we, when it comes to communication, especially from a leadership standpoint, for whatever reason, we often approach it like it should be something that's natural. And it's not. It is something that, yeah, we can get by. We speak the English language or whatever language it is that we're communicating in, but the nuance of understanding how to influence, how to engage people, how to communicate more effectively, it's a craft just like anything else. And it takes work. Uh, I, I think sometimes it's because of apathy that you know we don't put the effort in. I think other times it's because of arrogance, right? We just feel like you know we've got what we need and we're okay to go. And and so I find that the best leaders are constantly learning, constantly honing their craft. And if you're listening to this, you're probably in that boat, right? That mm -hmm. mindset of wanting to get better. And so good on you. That's fantastic. Um, as far as where leaders use stories, I mean, we use stories in so many ways. Probably the main three areas, though, is we're going to use stories as, as we mentor from a leadership standpoint constantly. I mean, think about you're sitting down one-on-one -on -one with somebody they're talking about a struggle they're having. And you could say, well, just do it like this. Or you could relate and say, oh, I totally get it. I remember early in my career, this is what I was dealing with. And I had a manager or whatever, like something that changed my thought process, like teach them, share something real, right? Um, we use stories to cast a vision, like you said, right? If we want to get people on board, if we want to show them where we're going and what the vision of it looks like, we use stories in training. Every leader is, is asked to speak at times to train, to, to introduce new, new concepts, new ideas. And so stories to introduce that point or to validate that or to handle objections. Like there are so many places that we use stories. And so the work of storytelling is actually spending some time thinking about it, you know, writing out 
crafting some of those stories uh, because when you actually write it out, you start to eliminate all those extra tangent pieces. I had an interesting experience a couple of weeks ago. We had a family reunion and I was sitting at a table with two brother-in-laws and one brother-in-law started to tell this story and he just would go off on like tangent and tangent and tangent. And my other brother-in-law, I mean, it was long and we were all like, what are we, you know, <laughs> going nowhere. My other brother-in-law literally out loud said, this better be really good because this is painful to listen to. And I was like, Yes. How often do we do that as leaders? Right? Because we don't put any forethought in or we don't role play it or we don't practice it a little bit. Uh, and so those things matter. Those things make a difference. And then obviously on the back end, we talked about recording yourself and going back mm -hmm. and listening to it. Mm -hmm. And I get that's painful. I get that it's not fun. Uh, but again, I, I've always approached this as I want to be the best that I can. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to make an impact. And, and so that requires that I get better. Yeah, I can put in all the work, but if I'm not good at it, all the work's just not going to get me that far. So true. And so from that standpoint, um, I, I'd love to give at least the model for influential stories, because I think this is important for leaders to understand, especially. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a simple model when you start to understand storytelling that a story should follow a flow of struggle to solution. What I mean by that, if you think about it, we hook people with the struggle, we help people with the solution. There's something about struggle that naturally engages us. It, it conflict, challenge, we just emotionally connect with that. And the problem is, is in business especially, we tell business from a solution to solution standpoint. I mean, most business stories all sound the same. We say, you know what, we're great. I've, we've always been great. We'll always be great. And if you work with us, that'd be great. Right. I mean, that's kind of the gist right. of most stories. And even from a leadership standpoint, sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be real. Right. And so we just say, no, 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 this is how I do it. This is how you should do it. Well, the reality is you don't have it all figured out and you didn't have it all figured out. And there's a struggle to solution process that happens there. And if we're willing to one, recognize where we learn and grow, grew and the changes we're making and, and be authentic in how we tell those, those stories actually connect with people. Those stories make a huge difference. So if someone's listening and feeling like they're telling stories like your brother-in-law uh, did, what do they do, Ty? I mean, they know that they're not where they need to be, or maybe somebody's told them, maybe they have some self-awareness. They know that it's just off. What are the keys to effective storytelling? I mean, you talked about struggle to solution, but what's some structure or outlines, obviously without going into your entire keynote, that would help the listener? Okay, so let me add to that. So you have the setup, you have the struggle, you have the solution. In the setup, there's a couple of key things that happen. You set the scene, you introduce the main characters, and then you throw them in the struggle as quickly as possible right? Uh, because the struggle is the hook. If you take five minutes to get to the struggle, nobody cares. Think about it like a movie. If we went to a movie and you watched a movie and about was about a guy that just merrily skipped through life, no ups, no downs, everything worked out perfect. We would all leave and go, that is the stupidest movie I've ever heard. Sure. But in a one-on-one -on -one setting, if you tell a story like that and there's no struggle, what do you want the response to be like, wow, you're great. Like, I mean, what, what reaction can I have other than you're amazing. You know, good for you. Thanks for bragging, you know, and sharing that. <laughs> like what, there's nothing to connect with. Right. Yeah. Um, and so introducing that, but here's the thing I get that if we were to pull the audience right now and say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, where are you in your storytelling skills? 
I'll bet most people would say under a six. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality, right? And some people feel like they're even worse. If you were to say, okay, I've got a meeting coming up and this is a story I could share. If you, would to t- if you were to take 10 minutes, sit down and literally write out that story word for word and then say it out loud, you would change so many things about it. Mm-hmm. Just that, like sure. that's not even that hard of a thing to do, right? But just recognizing all those little pieces, one of my rules in storytelling is if it's not necessary to say, it becomes necessary not to say. Let me say that one more time. If it's not necessary to say, it becomes necessary not to say. Like, how are you doing? Yeah, being, exactly. But being concise is more compelling, especially when it comes to storytelling. And so I also would look at it is what's the point of the story, right? There, every story should have a point. If it doesn't, I don't know why you're telling it. I mean, the point may even just be to make somebody laugh, but there should be a point. Often the point is here's the takeaway. Here's the product we're introducing. Here's the the key lesson or whatever, uh, that if you're clear on that, then that becomes the measuring stick for the story, because then you can look at it and say, does this need to be in here? Because does it get me to that point? Mm-hmm. And if not, then no. And most of the time, the places we get off track, the little tangent pieces are because we introduce something, then we feel like we have to explain it. Right. And just getting clear on how to get through that, those steps easier um, again, it, it just takes a little work. It just takes a little practice. And, and, um, and, and as you practice it, it, it becomes a skill that you become better at and that's okay. Understand that any skill that you've developed, you're going to bomb out a little bit too. No doubt. There is no doubt about it. And, and if you're in that camp, you're listening, you're in that camp of high effort, high desire, and you add these soft skills, you will no doubt increase your effectiveness. Once you begin to consume content and learn the art of storytelling, you then need to practice, as Ty obviously just mentioned. And so so we've talked about the setup. We talked about the hook. We talked about the solution. Ty, if you have a moment, uh, could you tell the story of the CEO of Starbucks? I've listened to many, many of your stories, uh, but the way you deliver this one really captures, I feel, the steps that we're talking about today. Would you mind delivering this story for our listener? We can do the Howard Schultz story. So um, I often will start the, the, just a quick tip. I'm a big fan of creating curiosity on the front end of a story. And so I teach people to ask a you focused question on the front end of a story, meaning that what they're going to do is they're going to tap into your world with a question and then bringing them into your world with a story. So there's a connection as opposed to me just saying, let me tell you my story, because whether it's conscious or subconscious, unless I know how it pertains to me, I just don't care that much. Um, so, I mean, Jeff, have you, do you know the name Howard Schultz? Yeah, I do. So Howard founder and CEO of Starbucks has a really interesting story. Howard was born in the housing project in Brooklyn, New York. He was born into poverty, born into a tough situation. But unlike so many people who were born into that situation, he actually found his way out of the projects. And for him, his ticket out was a full ride football scholarship to the University of Northern Michigan. He went and he played football. He played for four years, had a great experience. But more importantly for him, he became the first member of his family to ever go or graduate from college. I mean, just life-changing when you think about it. After school, he held several different jobs, mostly sales positions, until he became the sales director for a Swedish housewares company called Hammerplast. 
And it was at Hammerplast that he started selling these Swedish strip coffee makers to a little coffee house out in Seattle called Starbucks. That's the connection. Now you might go, but he founded Starbucks. That's not actually how it happened. It's kind of interesting. So he was selling to Starbucks. He decided to go and visit him. He literally got on the plane, flew over to Seattle. First time he had ever been west of the Mississippi. And when he walked into Starbucks, he fell in love. I don't know if that's the experience you had when you walked into Starbucks. Many people <laughs> do. Uh, but for him, he just loved everything about it. The ambiance, the the as he watched how they interacted with the customers, the care they took in choosing and roasting the beans, just the whole process enamored him. And he left after that day and he said, I'm going to be part of that company. Hmm. Well, the owners of Starbucks wouldn't hire him. He literally pestered him. He called him every day for almost a year until they finally gave him a job. They brought him in kind of a marketing position. And a few months into his experience, they sent him over to Italy and he was walking around Europe. I don't know if you've ever been to Europe before, but as he was walking around, he had this first, this thought of there are coffee houses everywhere. Like they're on every corner. They're all over the place. And he, he couldn't understand it, but then he started to pay attention to what was going on in these coffee houses. And he realized they were more than just a place to get a cup of coffee in Italy. At the time, they were part of the societal glue, if you will, right? The, uh, they, you would go meet a friend or kick back and read a newspaper. They were home away from home and office away from your office. And he came back to Starbucks and he said, I've got it. We can expand. This is what it looks like. I understand this model. And the owners of Starbucks said, thank you, but no, thank you. And they said, we're happy. We're profitable. This is our, this is our, our plan. And so he made a decision. He left. He went down the street, quite literally in Seattle. He started his own coffee house called Giornali. And it was so successful, he came back one year later and he bought Starbucks for $3.8 million. I mean, which is crazy, right? The rest, <laughs> as they say, is history. Well, I mean, think about it now. Howard Schultz is the chairman of Starbucks. He's grown that from one single coffee house to now over 45,000 locations all over the world. And Starbucks is one of those unique brands because it's synonymous, I mean, with coffee. Like we use Starbucks as uh, a noun, like I'm going to go get a Starbucks, not just a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I had a chance to work with Starbucks and their leadership team. And I actually followed Howard Schultz when he spoke and I had read about this. I had actually written about it. He has this catchphrase, but when I heard him say it, I was like, this is awesome. Right. Um, he stood up every time he's in front of his people, every single time. And I think this philosophy is so to me, it's, it, it is ingrained in me and my philosophy of leadership and, I think it's important to this conversation as we talk about storytelling and how we connect and win with people. Howard stood up in front of his people that day as he does every day. And he said, I want you to remember, this is fundamental. We are not in the coffee business serving people. We are in the people business serving coffee. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the truth. I think as leaders, anybody listening on this, this podcast right now, we're in the people business. That's the right. commonality we share. And learning to connect with, engage with, and win with people is such a vital skill set. I believe storytelling is one of the best ways to do that. No doubt. There is no doubt about it. This, what a, Ty, what a great example of using the steps uh, of a great story. One thing you do so well is using the question to engage your audience. This is a tremendous way. You do it so well in pulling them in and all the videos I've seen, and obviously you just did it in this example. And I think this could be one of the biggest misses in storytelling. You know, we, we really need to ask questions early to engage. Uh, questions like, has there ever been a time when, et cetera, just to pull that audience in and start to engage them. Ty, Ty what are some... 
What are some powerful questions that you use in storytelling that maybe the listener should be thinking about and could benefit from? Yeah, I think it's important. I call it reinforcing relatability um, because we want, even in storytelling, we don't want to talk at people. We want to talk with people. We want it to feel conversational. And so you can use sometimes generic conversational speak. Like even in this story, I was telling the story to you. So I asked you, like, I don't know if you've ever been to Europe, right? There's just little places of connection. Mm-hmm. Um or you might go, have you ever met somebody like that that before? Or just, it's like you're in the story and for a second, you're going to step out and talk directly to the audience, right? And just touch base. Like, are you with me? Does this make sense? Is this resonating? Sometimes if you know the audience, even if it's a big audience, like if it's your people, your team, or your one-on-one, you can be more personal in that, right? So, you know, you might be talking about something and you're telling a story and be like, isn't that just like the situation you're dealing with? Like I can personalize it to the audience or who I'm talking to, but just a few times in the story, there's probably places that you can throw those you focus questions back at them and just reinforce that relatability, which I think makes it so much more palatable. It, it makes it conversational. Yeah, it draws them in. There, there's no question about it. And I would say whether you're selling, you're leading, or you're giving a keynote, these really draw out the emotional connection with the people that you're communicating with. So Ty, uh, this is amazing. Uh, really, really great stuff. Obviously, we could never cover it all the information and training on a podcast. So tell us, how can we best connect with you for more information and to learn more about the great art of storytelling? Oh, yeah. Um, The power of storytelling. I I wrote it, breaking it down as a skill. So I I, obviously I wrote it. I'm biased. I think it it teaches storytelling better than any other book out there. This is the book I wish I had when I was 21 years old. Mm -hmm. I wanted to to teach it, not just talk about it. Right. And so, uh, you know, obviously you can check that out. I'm pretty easy to find tybennett.com. If you search me on any social media, Ty Bennett, I'm, you know, I, pretty findable. So uh, yeah, love to connect, love to engage, love to hear your thoughts, what's working, what's not working on storytelling. But yeah, this conversation has been really fun. Thanks for doing it. Absolutely. I mean, this this is a fantastic book that's going to help all of us increase our skill set. But the thing that's really amazing about it is it's also proven from Ty's own personal journey. Not to mention that Ty had a pretty amazing mentor writing the book, Stephen Covey, right, Ty? I did. I had a chance to get to know him before he passed and, and learn from him. Uh, I mean, one of the most incredible human beings to ever walk this earth, I believe. Uh, and just so insightful, uh, encouraging. And uh, to me, I think about when I think of him, I think of wisdom, right? He just, he just was wise, uh, just had so much to share. Um, so yeah, I, I had a chance to get to know him. I live in Utah. He lived in Utah and through mutual friends connected with him as I started writing. And, uh, unfortunately we lost him too early, you know, too young, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been that I'll, I count that as a huge blessing somebody who's impacted me in a big way. Can you tell the listener what he told you when you met him at that event you were at? Make sure you write the book for the reader, not the writer which is an awesome line for anyone who's going to write a book. But in my mind, it's, it's the mentality of an influencer. It's, it's making it about the audience. It's making it about the listener. It's making it about the person that you're mentoring. It's yeah. focusing on your team. It's, 
it's how influence actually works. And so I, I think he understood that to its core. I'm looking forward to reading it myself. It's cute in my number three spot of books to read, and I cannot wait to dive in. All right, listener, as Ty often says, we're all in the business of people, developing relationships, cultivating trust, and weaving a connection that allows for deeper understanding is ultimately a big part of why we're all here. Life, it's all about contribution. And how we connect through communication determines our level of influence. I hope this episode challenged you to adopt storytelling skills to leverage your influence, extend your emotional reach, and even create customers for life. I appreciate you all investing time to be with us. And until next time, always know that you have been set up to be a champion in this life. The Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead. Inspire. Win. Win.